When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. By no one's demand but our own. And from our beautiful home office here in the Gulch in Nashville, Tennessee, it is the 615 Sessions brought to you by A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Buck Rising here with you as always on this uh, rainy and sunny, very humid Thursday. Titans OTAs, uh, three weeks in, have just concluded for the day. I have just returned home from St. Thomas Sports Park uh, and I come bearing many nuggets of information that were ascertained today at practice. We will discuss those. We heard from Ryan Tannehill. You will hear from Ryan Tannehill on this very podcast, so stay tuned. Uh, You will hear from Derrick Henry, who spoke about his contract situation today in front of the Nashville media. Uh, And we will talk about Tannehill. We will talk about Derrick Henry. Uh, We will also, as our interview, as our guest for the day, we'll get to that interview just in a second, Emily Proud sports anchor and reported for WKRN News 2 here in Nashville, the ABC affiliate. Uh, Emily is someone who is familiar with the Nashville sports scene. She played soccer at Belmont in college. Uh, She is also somebody who has recently landed here uh, on television after spending some time in Knoxville. We talked about a variety of different things, including having to cover the death of Vols legendary women's basketball coach Pat Summit uh, two weeks on the job and then having to deal with everything that was the Butch Jones firing uh, Greg Schiano non-hire in Knoxville. We talked Titans. She went bussing with the boys, Taylor and Lewa- Taylor Lewan and Will Compton's podcast. She's done a lot of things. We covered a lot of ground with Emily. So we will get to that interview first. Then we'll come back and talk Tannehill and Derrick Henry after OTAs here on the 615 Sessions brought to you by A to Z Sports. Back here on the 615 Sessions, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Buck Rising here with you on this Thursday. Thrilled to have my friend, Emily Proud, WKRN News 2 anchor and reporter, join me on the podcast. Are you, uh, are, I know this is an honor for you to be making your debut appearance, Emily, but I'm, I'm, greatly, uh, I'm greatly appreciative of your time. Well, I am happy to be here. Now, Sweet of you to call me your friend. Well, I agree. <laughs> listen, we've got we've got beef. Uh, make oh, no, make no mistake about it. We've got beef because I do not take kindly uh, to my own painted nails being used against me <laughs> on social media. Uh, and you dunked on me, Emily. You dunked on me publicly. Uh, you 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 shamed me in front of my friends on the F Words Pod, uh, and I haven't quite gotten to the place to forgive you. But I thought it best to hash this out on the podcast my, on my own platform where I can make the rules. <laughs> Where you're in control. Yeah, I'm I'm so sorry about that. You know, I'm brand new here. I'm still trying to make a name for myself. I thought that was the best way to, to kind of make a splash on social media, but I, I agree that um, you were kind of collateral, and I apologize. Oh, just recklessly sideswiping people. That is the best way 
to make a name for yourself in this industry. No, you're you're crushing I'm ruthless. it. Ruthless. You're, you're absolutely <laughs> cold blooded. You have to be. Ask just ask our friend Paul. Uh, <laughs> True. You have uh, you, but you've you've been crushing it since you. Uh, came on board at WKRN in all honesty and I'm really excited to have you on and we won't keep you too terribly long because I know it's been a busy day for you but you've just come from doing some uh, very important journalistic work in the field Uh, tell the people where you've just spent your afternoon well I mean not as important as talking to Whiplash the cowboy monkey um, but this this takes a (laughs) we'll get we'll get the whiplash we'll get the whiplash later (laughs) so uh, I was just on a bus with Will Compton and Taylor Lewan. Mm. Uh, I'm sure you know where this is going with their new podcast, Bussin' with the Boys. Uh, it's an old rundown bus. For some reason, I thought it would be a good idea to, to hop on and talk to these goons. I'm currently working in the editing process and learning how to use the bleep button, as we like to call it, <laughs> uh, because they didn't realize that you know the FCC kind of applies to us. They, uh, they do whatever they want on their podcast, uh, but when, when you stick a camera in their face, I thought they'd kind of lay off a little bit, but, but no. Oh, no. It was, it was really fun, though. Um, I, I, like, I like that sort of thing. You know, the offseason can kind of drag on for a while, so any chance we get to tell some, I don't know if I would say interesting stories, but uh, <laughs> just some, some fun stuff to, to break it up in the offseason and keep, keep the viewers happy. Yeah, well, now your story will have aired on News Two by the time this podcast is available for the people. But I won't. I won't ask you for spoilers. You'll have to go. Well, check well, it out actually, on WKRN for yourself. I think we yourselves. might be holding this. Yeah, we might be holding this until um, oh, okay. Sunday. Okay. So regardless, so, no spoilers. Uh, I got. Yeah, okay, I got to know what you what you personally make of that operation, Emily, because I'm I'm fascinated by it for a variety of reasons. But I'm curious as as to your perspective as somebody who does traditional media, uh, boarding this this alleged bus uh, with with two NFL players. Well, one current NFL player, one former NFL player. Uh, but just what do you make of the whole situation? Honestly, um, the saying "Don't judge a book by its cover" has has never been <laughs> more applicable. I oh, mean, God. you look at the outside of this thing, and it's terrifying. It's like this. It's like a short bus that was painted to honor Dale Earnhardt Jr. So, um, just put that image in your head. Sure. But then, when you go inside, this is like a top-notch studio facility that they have going. They have leather chairs. Um, some sort of dead animal is on the ground as a rug. They have um, like these crystal glasses for um, you know various types of alcohol. I'm assuming that they consume when we're not around. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't think they much care is, if we're around or not, Emily. No, no, not so much. Um, but but this is top notch. I mean, they've they've got all the equipment that you would need, I guess, to do a podcast. They've got soundboards. They have three interns. They have state-of-the-art equipment. I mean, they, they take this thing very seriously, and it was great when I kind of sat down with Will Compton and, and we kind of hashed it out because he said, ultimately, like, you know, we want to have fun, but I want to take this thing seriously. I know a lot of people just say, you know, I can just start a podcast. Anybody can start talking, um, but he wanted to make sure that it was a little bit more than that. And it definitely is, especially with it being on a bus, but they've managed to uh, pimp the ride and, and make it make it into an actual studio if only exhibit was still around I, that was one of my favorite yeah. tv shows Pimp oh my, my gosh I, I don't know if you can make that show in 2019 no probably not but if you <laughs> if you were i mean i've got a company the one that did did their bus will probably be willing to do it fair, fair enough they did a great job with it yeah no the the interior looks very impressive I'm, I'm made insanely jealous as i sit here doing a podcast from my kitchen countertop uh with <laughs> with the way that our business Though, in particular, Emily is changing. Like, I left terrestrial radio to come screw around on the internet, 
guys like Lawan and Compton can start their own operation. Pat McAfee up in Indianapolis did the same or did a similar kind of thing. He went to Barstool first. But every, everyone in the damn world seems like they have a podcast and they have their own platform now because of the age uh, we are in with all the technology that's available to everyone at their disposal. What? How do you feel like this affects our relationship as people who are in, in more traditional media with the athletes? Because I feel like they really don't need us anymore. The big J journalist? Is that what you're referring <laughs> well, to? Well, you, you, my dear, are the big J journalist. I am just, <laughs> I am just a gas bag on the internet. You're, uh, you're a little bit of both. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's equally uh, terrifying and challenging at the same time. I mean, you, you saw it kind of with the Titans, first and foremost, with them hiring away Jim Wyatt. I mean, uh, these teams are becoming their own media entities. And now it's not just the teams, it's the players. I mean, how, how are we supposed to break news about players when they're breaking their own news? I think Logan Ryan did the exact same thing on, on Twitter. He decided that he wanted to break his own news about his injury. So it makes our jobs difficult, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. That just means we have to work a little bit harder to be a little bit more different and, and, and unique. And sure, we might not be breaking stories in the traditional sense, like the Adam Schefter's and the Ian Rappaport's, but um, we can still tell good stories. And that's kind of what I've tried to take upon myself is I, I'm not trying to be the breaking down X's and O's because who wants to listen to that from a girl that's never played football in her life? And, you know, couldn't even if she, if she wanted to. Uh, so give yourself you more credit to... than that. You're gonna you're gonna be like this uh, girl that we met out on the caravan trip that you that you were able to talk to for a little bit. Yeah, no, I'll I'll be the kicker. How about that? But I need a, a pretty good line in front of me to protect me. But no, you know, you you play to your strengths. You don't do things that. Um, that you're not great at, try to really hone in on, on the things that you can do well and the things that you provide. There's still a place for us. We're not, we're not going away anytime soon, but we just have kind of have to adjust and learn our new roles. At Emily underscore proud is where you follow her on Twitter. Uh, yeah, the, the storytelling aspect is why I, why I enjoy this job and, and uh, why I'm sure you enjoy this job as well. It's, it's getting to talk to interesting people about different things. And I think, I think it makes us more diverse and better as a, as a media landscape because we do have to adapt. We do have to be better at our jobs as, as more and more people uh, you know, figure out how, how this stuff works. Uh, because it at, at a certain point you have to stand out, and you know you can choose. There are different ways to stand out, more some more uh, more reputable than others. Uh, but it, I think it, I think it makes for more for more interesting media. And I'm I'm just here for the interesting, in all in all yeah. honesty. Well, sometimes all it takes to stand out is uh, by tweeting a picture of some painted nails, right? <laughs> You know, it does can be it, that simple. It does it does rattle the male construct a little bit given the audience, <laughs> Emily. And I think I think that some people are down on my painted nail emoji, but I don't care. I'm gonna keep painting my nails and nobody's gonna tell me it, otherwise. It kinda reminds me of the Kermit the Frog sipping the tea. I think is that kind of what it's supposed to be like? Yeah, yeah, it's it is that in essence. I guess I guess people who, who get to know more of my personality understand it better because I'm all, in all honesty, I'm 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 a pretty big priss. I get uh, I get mani pedis. I don't I don't mind uh, the the fact that I'm a little bougie about stuff sometimes. And so if I got to hit you with some sass and the painted mm-hmm. nail emoji, then that's how I got to do it. That makes sense. <laughs> you do you again. Play to your strengths. Indeed. Uh, so to yourself. <laughs> you have. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately for my bosses, I am I am often too much myself. Uh, but you have been in Nashville for some time now. You've had your 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 boots on the ground, for lack of a better term. Uh, in the Nashville sports scene, 
uh, for enough enough time to where I feel like you've got a pretty good lay of the landscape. And obviously, you were here before when you played soccer at Belmont. But what's been the most interesting storyline that you've covered since coming back to Nashville and and, and signing on with WKRN? Uh, well, I disagree with all of that. I still feel like the newbie. I'm still trying to get my feet wet in my first full NFL season. I'm learning that um, the season really never ends. No, it's long. <laughs> I'm learning that there's there's quite an off season. But um, I think kind of the, the weirdest dynamic um, that I've been able to, to view as someone that's basically just covered college football, specifically with the Vols, is, is going from covering the Vols to wouldn't necessarily call it covering Vandy because we really don't talk about them that much, nope. um, but just understanding their role in Nashville because uh, it was kind of a shock, you know, a, a culture shock going from covering a team where literally people were rioting on campus about a football coach and like the city about to get shut down and lawmakers calling into the university and telling them not to hire a guy <laughs> to coming to Nashville where Vandy's kind of buried a little bit in the background. So um, it's, you know, you kind of, get sucked into the world of, of Tennessee football and, and think of SEC as king. And that's the only thing going on in the world. That's the number one. Nobody else cares about anything other than Tennessee football and SEC football. And then you kind of come and, and see what Vandy's role is. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think it's just kind of broadened my, my viewpoint is to see, oh, wow, there's, you know, you can have a city mixed with some NHL fans and with some NFL fans. And now people want Major League Baseball here. And we're learning that actually a lot of people watch the NBA. We get really good ratings uh, when we have an NBA game on ABC leading into our show. So I'm just learning more about how like a sports culture works when the whole town isn't just fully focused on Tennessee football. Well, and I mean, it's not like we don't have enough distractions in this city because the sports scene is almost engulfed by the the rest of the entertainment that we have here yeah. at our disposal. The Titans suffer for it. The, the Preds have learned how to play it to their advantage uh, and, and mm-hmm. keep people engaged, even if you're not a particularly big hockey fan. They do that exceptionally well. But Vandy, Vandy is, is, the, is the stepchild of the entire situation. <laughs> uh, and I, th- I think that, you know, I, I won't say that they do the best they can because obviously that wasn't the case under previous regimes. But now with Malcolm Turner, uh, it seems, you know, what, what do you make of him now in his first couple months on the job? I know he hasn't done many things publicly, uh, just particularly when he was announced for the job doing that, that teleconference rather than having the media in person to meet with him. I thought that was a little bizarre. But uh, what, what do you think of the direction that he's trying to take things based on your limited experience with him? I think he's trying to do things differently, and and I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. I think when you mentioned the press conference, I don't know if that was necessarily his call. Right. Um, I don't. I know with Vanderbilt they have a lot of um, academic hurdles that they have to to jump over in order to to get their athletics situated. But I I do think that Malcolm Turner seems to want to come in and shake things up and actually make some change because. As I was saying, you know, comparing it to Tennessee football, yeah, you don't have to get the entire city around you, but this this is still a city that loves sports. You have a great opportunity to get some fan base, to get a a decent fan base in. You just got to treat them well. Um, He talked about in, he wrote a letter to Commodore Nation, I think it was yesterday, um, and he came out and said all the new things that they were going to add with upgraded bathrooms and a new video board and and try to fix Vanderbilt Stadium and then go into Memorial Gym and do something with state-of-the-art lighting and and all that sort of thing. So I think that he seems committed to understanding that he's not just coming in 
and doing what the last guy did. He's coming in and trying to enhance it because I think he realizes, and he said this multiple times in his opening press conference, Vanderbilt's a little gem. He has a, a gold mine that just really hasn't been tapped yet. And I think that's true. I think there's some difficulties that other SEC teams don't face when, you know, you're in the Tuscaloosa and there's nothing else going on in the town. So that's all you look at. Oxford for Ole Misses. I mean, that's that's all there is in Oxford. So, yeah, there's you have to kind of fight for coverage and fight for um, getting that recognition with Vanderbilt. But you're still an SEC school. You still have the resources that the SEC network brings in. Um, and I think Malcolm Turner realizes it, and I hope he, he takes advantage of it. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic to think about, the fact that almost every other SEC school is on, on an island unto itself, where it's the only thing that's going on in each particular city. And then you have Vanderbilt that's just kind of smothered by everything else that goes on here. And I, you know, I, I would like for college football in Nashville to be relevant like I would very much enjoy that like that would make me I don't know that would as somebody who doesn't particularly care about college football like I'm not I'm not from somewhere that the college football is any kind of any kind of thing I, I, I went to Indiana it's a basketball school I think the only time I set foot in the football stadium was for graduation. That was only because the basketball stadium was under construction. Like we just, we just don't care. But I, I want, I want to feel this SEC vibe that people keep telling and me you about. Should. And it's, I don't want to have to go to so Knoxville cute. to do it, though, Emily. No, and and unfortunately, these days it seems like you kind of have to. But yeah. it, it is so unique. And you know, I joke about, you know, the riots on campus about a football coach. But gosh, I'd much rather have that than apathetic fans. You know, it's it's one of a kind to. See the craziness that they that they showed during that time but it's also like oh my gosh they care so much I mean where do you where do you find this type of rabid fan base as, as we often call it and it's not a negative thing I mean it's it's so unique and sometimes yeah it's not channeled in the most appropriate of ways but it's still something that you, you don't see a lot and i also think with you know with NFL teams, I'm noticing, yeah, there's some ta- some town pride when it comes to it. But you find random NFL. There's a bunch of Patriots fans that are living here and Jets fans, and they're all over the place. But in Knoxville, everybody is a UT fan. Mm-hmm. You uh, and it's so unique. Yeah, I I'm I'm fascinated by the by the tribalism of the SEC. It's uh, a great word for that. Well, I, I, I just look at it and it's the only thing I can think of. And, and I, maybe that perhaps that's not the best way to go about the analysis of it, but that's, that's just the way that I, the, that I view uh, the SEC fandom through, through my very narrow prism. And, and hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll get to see a little bit more of it uh, as I spend more time here. Now you, you had a particularly uh, interesting landing in Knoxville when you were covering uh, not uh, sports there for WATE. Are, did you actually ha- have to cover, or I guess not have to cover, get to cover, uh, the the death of Pat Summit two weeks into your job there? Yeah, two weeks in. That's insane, um, which, Emily. <laughs> yeah, which was crazy. I mean, talk about learning on the job. Um, but it was it was probably, you know, the, the best start I could have asked for. Because um, it wasn't just a matter of learning about how to be a journalist and learning how to tell the story. Um, but also being able to be a part of it. I mean, I'm, I started, let's see, I graduated on a Saturday and I started Monday. So I had one day off. You know, people like to take a little leap year or go travel for the summer. But I was like, no, I'm so excited. I want to get going. And I'm kind of thankful I did. If I would have started two weeks later, I would have 
would have missed all of that, but it well, and I mean, it a, honestly speaks to your talent that you you were one of the few that had a job right out of college in sports media. <laughs> like the rest of us idiots are just scrounging around here for whatever opportunity we. Well, I, we I, get. I interned there and I made some good connections. So, and it's it you know how this is. A lot of it's luck. There's got to be an sure. opening. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was it was a very cool experience from the fact that I grew up in Knoxville. I actually went to school with Pat Summit's son. So I was very familiar with her and with their family. And obviously, if you grew up in Knoxville or on this planet, you know who she is and what she's done. So um, it's it's kind of the corny and the cheesy thing to say for funerals. But it was it was a celebration of life at its core. I mean, it was just a surreal moment. My job that day was kind of just to observe and, and to be a photographer. So I sat behind the camera and sought about four or five hours worth of interviews from various former coaches to players to athletic directors just people that she had touched would just come in they were they all said i want to be there i want to be there and they all wanted to share their stories nobody had to make them they said oh my gosh i'm coming i'm flying in i'm coming to this press conference and everybody got you know 20 30 minutes to just share their their memories of pat so it wasn't um a negative thing by any means obviously yes it was obviously very upsetting uh, that pat summit had passed but she'd been sick for a while so i think a lot of people were kind of bracing for it she was absent for a while from a lot of the usual events that you would see her at as she started to get worse but ultimately that day became into a celebration of all the great things that she'd done and all the amazing people that she had touched yeah i, j- I had just started at the radio station here in Nashville and I remember like I I was you know I was working overnights midnight to 6 a.m. when I first started so I was having to cut up audio and 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 stuff that we could use for the day's next show uh, from from the Pat Summit ceremony and I was just I was watching those videos over and over and over again just in awe of of what what because I, I knew I knew who Pat Summit was right like I know mm-hmm. I know Pat Summit's legacy I'm, I'm somebody who follows basketball closely and Pat Summit regardless of men's or women's Uh, college basketball was one of the most impactful figures in the sport but I still just just from a distance could not could not get over the amount of of outpouring and and, and of emotion for this woman and I was uh, it was one of the cooler things I've seen in sports yeah and I think what made it so uh, amazing and uplifting and, and less you know depressing and upsetting is that you know she she'd made her mark it's not just because she left this earth doesn't mean that the mark that she made left this earth. And I think that's what is the most uplifting part about it. And honestly, I, I was able to get a few seconds on air um, to kind of to, to chat about it and talk about it. And I thanked her. I mean, that's what we did a lot on television that day is, is thanking her. I mean, I'm a female sports reporter. Um, if it weren't for Pat paving the way for sports with women, not just talking about it, but actually playing sports. I mean, I was also a college athlete, so I have Pat to thank for that. So um, it was it was a really uplifting experience, and so thankful I decided to jump right into the job and and not take a few weeks off. <laughs> it's totally crazy. I I can't imagine what an experience that must have been. Uh, I have to ask you a Titans question just because of the timeliness of when this will air and what wh- the people will hear this after OTA practice tomorrow. Uh, but regardless, we need to we need to talk a little bit about the Titans uh, in 2019 before we get you out of here. Uh, your most the, the Marcus Mariota saga, I guess we can call it. We will hear from Ryan Tannehill in all likelihood at some point tomorrow. It'll be interesting, uh, or probably not interesting, to hear what Ryan Tannehill has to say. But what what have you what how have you viewed this whole 
Marcus Mariota narrative, everything that is that swirls around him on a on a yearly basis at this point. I know you're somebody who does your research, so even not having been here, you understand what the Marcus Mariota situation was. Hell, you and I and Kayla Anderson did a show the day of the the Week 17 game from uh, Nashville Underground. Right after we found out that the Marcus that Marcus Mariota was going to be scratched that day, uh, which was one of the more irritating uh, experiences of my my life because I knew that 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 game wasn't going to matter, and thus the two hour show that we had to do wasn't going to matter. But I'm curious as to how you've you've just kind of taken all of this in uh, since you've been over there at St. Thomas Sports Park with the rest of us. Well, specifically with how like Tannehill fits in, um, I honestly think fans and, and maybe some of us are guilty of this too but i think we're looking for something um to oh hell yes i am own. emily i'm so <laughs> bored with that damn quarterback i need something interesting yeah i'm not saying we're creating a storyline but um it, it doesn't help when he throws well and and you want to compare because but ultimately the reason that fans and, and some of us are doing that is because yeah we're not fully satisfied with everything that we've seen from marcus mariota um but the part that stinks the most is that you want to see good things, not just because you want the Titans to be good, but you genuinely want Mariota to succeed. He's a really difficult guy to hate. Um, and he's somebody that you watched excel at Oregon, and, and he could have been the number one overall pick if it weren't, you know, for the Bucks taking famous Jameis. But but honestly, I think that with with the storyline of, of trying to come up with a, it's a quarterback controversy or anything, I don't think it is at all. I think the only reason that I think that is not because I'm making it up in my head, but because we've heard it time and time again from, from coaches uh, specifically with Mike Rabel. And we heard it with John Robinson the day that they announced Tannehill was coming in. Yep. We heard it from John Robinson again later on throughout the draft process. We heard it from Mike Rabel at day one of OTAs that we were able to view. Um, so there's really no indication that there's any sort of controversy. Um, but if there was, I mean, that would be something <laughs> for us to, to finally talk about it. And I think the whole reason that we're looking for that is because we do want that fire to be lit under Mariota's you-know-what, um, because we do want him to succeed and we know what he's capable of. I mean, we, we all watched him at the Kansas City game two years ago throw and catch a touchdown pass to himself. We know he's got something special in him. We know he's got that little extra juice, um, but it's the consistency and it's the not ability, but the inability to be out on the field that's it's really costing him. I was legitimately going to be pissed at you if you made an igniting the fire joke when you were talking about lighting <laughs> a fire under Mariota. Like I was, I was, I was waiting for it. I was cringing here uh, back uh, back in my uh, on my kitchen countertop. Don't worry, I was I'm not that cheesy anchor man. Don't worry, don't worry. Oh, but it would make it so much better if you were Emily. She is Emily <laughs> Proud of WKRN News Two here in Nashville. We are made better as a sports media by her presence. And we are grateful for her joining us here on the 615 Sessions. Follow her on Twitter at Emily underscore proud. Uh, and find her on Instagram for pictures of her very cute dog. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Okay, back here on the 615 Sessions. Buck Rising here with you, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Really appreciate Emily Proud for stopping by. Enjoyed having her on. We'll do the next one in person. We'll do it a little more long form because Emily's, as you could tell, Emily has a lot of information on a variety of different subjects. Uh, and I think that you would enjoy hearing from her uh, in a more longer form setting. So we will have Emily Proud on a later podcast. 
uh, and discuss things more in depth when we have the opportunity to get her uh, back on the show. It was it was fun for me. I hope she enjoyed uh, the silliness of the forum. But meanwhile, we have to talk about Titans OTAs. We have to talk about Ryan Tannehill. We have to talk about Titans running back Derrick Henry. Uh, this was the first time that Ryan Tannehill was made available to us media vultures At uh, now that he has been a part of the team. This is the first time that we have heard Mr. Tannehill speak since landing on the Tennessee Titans. Uh, we went through over a variety of different subjects, as well as you know what it's like for him to be in this backup capacity after having st- been a starter in the NFL, having been a franchise quarterback in the NFL for seven years, now landing here in a backup capacity uh, via trade when the Titans acquired him from the Miami Dolphins. Um, but there's been a lot of difficulty. Uh, there will be a lot of difficulty for Ryan Tannehill as he tries to ease into his new role. Uh, I asked Tannehill about that today at the podium, uh, and this is what Ryan Tannehill had to say. Well, there's a lot of difficult parts of it, but, uh, you know, I think when, you, when you're at the starter, there's certain things that um, you're able to do and, and as far as you know, leading and stuff like that. So um, really having to kind of take a step back in a leadership role, I would say, is, has been probably the toughest role for me. Um, you know, you work, at, you work at it for so many years on growing your leadership and, and all that and then having to, to take a step back and um, really have a backseat is, is tough, really tough at times. Really tough at times, according to Mark, or excuse me, not Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill, uh, Marcus Mariota's backup. Uh, and it's something that's totally understandable. Ryan Tannehill is, is, is expressing something that we have been critical of Marcus Mariota for in years past, and that's, you know, his ability to lead. He doesn't have the most dominant alpha personality. This is something that has been made note of uh, ad nauseum over the course of Marcus Mariota's tenure with the Tennessee Titans. Um, But uh, Tannehill is giving voice to it. You spend a good deal of time acclimating to the speed of the NFL, acclimating to a locker room, understanding what works and what doesn't in terms of a leadership role. Uh, Now Ryan Tannehill has been not, he hasn't been asked, he's been told, hey, guess what? You're taking a back seat after seven years as a starter in professional football, uh, you're going to have to just kind of eat it on this one, on your one-year deal, uh, and and be that as it may, do the best uh, to your abilities to help support the team, to be there in a relief capacity if, and I guess we should probably say when, Marcus Mariota has to sit a game out uh, because of some injury that he has sustained across, uh, across the course of time. Uh, because we know that Marcus Mariota has yet to complete a full 16-game slate. That has been discussed plenty. Uh, We'll talk about Marcus Mariota here shortly. We'll also hear from Arthur Smith, who spoke today. A lot of stuff going on at St. Thomas Sports Park. Found out what was going on a a little bit more about what was going on with Dean Pease's health. We heard from Arthur Smith. We heard from Dean. We talked to Roger Saffold. We talked to Derrick Henry. We heard from Tannehill for the first time. Busy day at St. Thomas Sports Park. Adore Jackson, by the way, uh, back out on the practice field not participating fully. Uh, Delaney Walker, though, was running through the 11-on-11 drills and 7-on-7 drills with the team, something that we had not seen him do a week ago. So that is your Titans OTA update, as it were, here on the 615 sessions. Uh, Marcus Mariota, while we are on the subject of quarterbacks here in Nashville, uh, Arthur Smith was asked about Marcus Mariota's weight gain, or actually, he wasn't asked about it, I asked him about it. 
uh, right off the top at the press conference today at St. Thomas Sports Park. Uh, Arthur Smith, you know, how, how does it affect the way that Marcus is going to have to play quarterback? There's going to be a little more bulk there, a little more heft. We've heard Delaney Walker talk about being lighter on his feet uh, as he ages and as he comes back from injury, the, the of course, the snapped ankle uh, that he sustained in week one. We also heard a little bit from Tannehill about uh, what he shares in common with this Titans locker room, and that is literally the longest game in the history of the sport that they participated in in last year's season opener. Uh, but Arthur Smith, on the subject of Marcus Mariota's weight gain, uh, was fairly informative, as informative as an offensive coordinator in his position can be. This was Arthur Smith today at the podium at St. Thomas Sports Park. This is weight gain has been a little bit of a talking point this offseason. How do you expect that might affect the way that he has to play the position? I think, you know, when he made that decision to want to put on some weight, it was a collective effort. Um, like anything, I mean, going from any year, all these players are longer than any, they try to find different ways to improve. So in his mind, I'm sure, I'm not going to speak for Marcus, but it was a collective effort. I think it would help him naturally to get a little more muscle mass, but again, he'd have to speak to that. So we got an essentially a non-answer. I'm not going to speak on the part of Marcus Mariota, and that's fair. We don't get to, it would be uh, more fair if we got to hear from Marcus Mariota today, but Tannehill was the quarterback that was made available to us. We can't have them both on the same day, God forbid, uh, because we do not want to overexpose Marcus Mariota to the media. Um, but it's, it's a curious proposition, right? I sit there and I think, and I read Paul Kaharski's report about the fact that Marcus Mariota's weight gain has been somewhere in the range of 12 to 13 pounds, which is a significant amount of weight, uh, a significant amount of new muscle mass, and it will affect the way that this particular player has to play the position of quarterback. Somebody who has relied on his agility and pure athleticism uh, will now be forced, not not necessarily be forced, but he, w- he may be bogged down a little bit. He may be uh, made to rely a little bit more on his ability as an actual quarterback rather than an athlete who is playing quarterback. I think that transition is going to be something uh, that I want to focus on and I want to pay more attention to as the season uh, begins. We're still a long way away from that, of course. Uh, And Marcus Mariota has plenty of time to gain or lose uh, more weight, as it were. But I think this is a good thing. We talked to Mike Miracles on Tuesday's show about what it could do for his durability. I think it changes the way that he plays the position. I think Arthur Smith knows that it will change the way that he plays the position, as I'm sure Mike Vrabel does as well. Uh, Hopefully, uh, if you're a Titans fan, it is to the benefit of your team because if it not only helps him stay on the field but helps him play uh, more of the traditional quarterback role, I think it could benefit you as long as the offensive scheme is is, uh, fine-tuned to his presets to make it easier on him. Uh, Play calling language is something I'm looking to see uh, whether it's pared down from what Matt LaFleur's play calling language was. We know that the consistency of the offense is going to remain, um, but the the intricacy and the in-depthness of the Matt LaFleur play calls was something that always kind of took, took me aback at practice. It just seemed incredibly complex and complicated. I understand that the NFL... Uh, is it requires that you disguise your plays as such. But I think that Arthur Smith understands the players that he has in the building, understands that it will that there it could everybody would benefit from a simplification. It's just how do you balance that line between uh, simplification for the benefit of the players and oversimplification to where your plays are easily discovered 
Uh, I think that will be something that Arthur Smith just asked to feel his way out as we approach his first season calling plays. Okay, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry also spoke today at the podium at St. Thomas Sports Park after OTA's practice. I, I could talk about how, how well Marcus Mar- Marcus Mariota, by the way, uh, I suppose I should do it justice and say that Marcus Mariota did perform uh, really well in red zone drills today. I know that you guys are tired of us tracking uh, Marcus Mariota interceptions and Marcus Mariota's passing statistics at OTAs when nobody's actually in pads and nobody really cares about the results of the practice on a day-to-day basis. But Marcus looked uh, more sharp, uh, I guess is the word, sharper is the word that I'm looking for, in practice today than he did last week when we last laid eyes upon him. Uh, was was uh, really well, excuse me, performed really well in the red zone drills that we were able to watch. Uh, of course, I cannot report to you who was lined up where, who your starting offensive line is as of as of right now, because that would violate uh, the Titans' practice reporting rules. And so I will not do that. You will just have to wait and see. Uh, but I can tell you that Jack Conklin was not there today and that Jack Conklin, again, did not participate in any kind of practice, nor Jonu Smith. Uh, that will be a storyline to monitor as we advance through the OTAs. Derrick Henry, though. Derrick Henry is in a contract year. Derrick Henry was questioned uh, quite a bit about sustaining his success at the, in the last month of the season, carrying it over to this season. Derrick Henry uh, cared not for, for our opinions that he would have to carry over his production from that last month into this year. He's essentially planning on starting a fresh slate, and the contract situation is not something that concerns Derrick Henry. Next question. No extra motivation, no extra pressure? No. no it's football. I fell in love with it before the money. I love football. So. I fell in love with football before the money. That is Derrick Henry, a muffled Derrick Henry, a very understated Derrick Henry at St. Thomas Sports Park today. Uh, he's he's going to be a curious case, right? Because you guys know how I feel about, about running backs. Uh, I, I have to say this every time that I talk about Derrick Henry or running backs as a, as a position, um, but I'm somebody who adamantly believes that you survive as a football team, that you keep yourself, uh, or one way that you help keep your salary cap healthy is by surviving on rookie running back contracts, on building your team through the trenches, both on the offensive and defensive line, and letting everything else be a product of the protections on one side and the pass rush on the other and the ability to stop the run on the other. Uh, I think that that is the best way to build a football team. I think that John Robinson would probably uh, agree on on the surface with that philosophy based on what he has done here in Nashville. Um, and Derrick Henry is somebody who, who I think, of course, Titans fans are rooting to have uh, great success. I just think people are going to get too caught up on who Derrick Henry is, what Derrick Henry represents um, to fans because he is – Somebody who is a fan favorite, and rightfully so. He's a magnificent athlete. Uh, he's, he's, he is honest to God from another planet in the way that he's built. I know I talk about A.J. Brown being a, being a pterodactyl, but Derrick Henry is a legit... I, I don't believe he and I to be the same species in the same way that I don't believe he... he or excuse me, in the same way that I don't believe uh, myself and Cam Newton to be of the same species or, or any of these freakishly athletic, freakishly large... Uh, players who are able to perform 
such incredible feats of athleticism. Derrick Henry is among them, uh, and and my position is, you know, no matter no matter how the season goes for Derrick Henry, I just I can't help I, I I can't move myself off of don't pay a running back, don't pay a running back, and sure as hell don't pay a running back market value, which is what Derrick Henry in all likely in all likelihood will command. But he's not worried about it, and neither should you. Uh, for the moment, we have plenty of time to worry about that over the course of the offseason. We have plenty of time to worry about that here on the 615 Sessions. But that is going to do it for us on this Thursday. Many thanks to Emily Proud, WKRN, for giving us some of her time and wasting it here with us on the program. Uh, gracious of her, as always. We look forward to her next appearance when we can talk more in depth. Thanks to the boys, Austin Stanley and Zach Bingham, A to Z Sports, Nashville's on-demand sports talk show, Facebook Live, and Periscope streaming 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on the weekdays. Make sure you're checking them out. I will be live from Wilson County Hyundai with Austin tomorrow. Uh, Zach played in a golf scramble today. Probably going to be really hungover. He's going to be at the show. He's not going to be able to do the show. Uh, we're, we're, I'm kidding, of course. I'm sure he would be able to do the show. But I'm going to do it because I need the reps. And you all at ADC Sports need to get to know me better on video. Need to get to uh, need to get used to looking at me uh, on camera. God help you. Uh, and, and your Andrew Luck jokes will flow in the comments accordingly. But make sure you're checking that out Friday morning from Wilson County Hyundai on A to Z Sports uh, on Twitter, A to Z Sports on Facebook as well. Uh, Thanks to you guys who rate, review, and subscribe our little podcast here on the 615 Sessions. Uh, Five stars on those ratings. Four stars simply make you a hater, but you can find the podcast, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever it is that your podcasts can be found. If you subscribe to the 615 Sessions, you have access to our entire archive of interviews that are at your disposal. They include Rashawn Evans. They include Corey Davis, Kevin Byard, uh, players, coaches, media members of all walks of life. We have them here on the 615 Sessions. If you enjoy Inside Baseball, there was a great hour-long conversation with Adam Bingen, who covers the Predators for The Athletic, uh, and whether the Nashville Predators are a fad. It's not just football here with me anymore. We're going to do it all, but it's still going to be Titans-heavy uh, because that's what I do on a day-to-day basis. I cover the Tennessee Titans for A to Z Sports. Uh, so that being said, I'm Buck Rising, reminding you to stay hot, Nashville. We'll talk to you Tuesday right here on the 615 Sessions. Brought to you by A to Z Sports and a to Z Sports Nashville.com.